For a long time, it was a critically important part of our community. It provided a livelihood and sort of a central point of focus on the north end of Springfield. Uh, Many, many men and women there had very good careers, good pay, pensions, benefits, raised families there. And then when the old Pillsbury Mills closed up, it was just left to sit there. And over the last couple of decades, it has deteriorated badly. And what was once a source of economic hope and prosperity has now become a symbol of decay and concern and, frankly, crisis. We talked about it for a long time. Now some folks are hoping to translate some of that talk into action. Chris Richmond is here, recently retired from the Springfield Fire Department, former fire marshal here in the city. He's working with a number of groups and with a couple of our aldermen for an effort they're calling Moving Pillsbury Forward. There's a meeting tomorrow evening to talk more about this. And Chris Richmond's here in studio with us. Chris, welcome. Thanks for being here. Really appreciate it. Yeah, good afternoon, Jim. Thanks for having me on today. Uh, let's start from the beginnings of your involvement with this. Uh, as we noted, you were formerly with the fire department, uh, but have since retired. So in what capacity are, are you jumping into the fray on this and, and working to, to get something accomplished here? Right, right. My, you know, my formal involvement with Pillsbury started uh, during my job as city fire marshal back in 2014. October of 2014, they had had a big event there where a, a, one of the uh, the scrap operation that was going on at that time pulled down a, a big portion of one of the buildings, created a big dust cloud. Uh, that portion of the building hadn't been abated for asbestos, and that's what really caused the initial stir in the community. Uh, so that was a little over five years ago now. Uh, since that time, of course, there's the, the Illinois EPA got involved, put a lock on the on the front gate. And there's been an injunction on the property for about five years. We we did in 2017 big US EPA cleanup of of the hazardous the bulk of the hazardous materials that were on site, and now here it sits still two years later, uh, not a lot gone. And of course, we had the uh, the Pillsbury pooch situation that came up. Uh, just a few weeks ago. Really sad you know, story there, yeah. Widely reported on, kind of a, a fluorescence point. I had a lot of people knowing that I was involved in this for a period of time. Uh, started calling me, contacting me, and saying, you know, we, we need to do something here. What what can we do? So, so part of that, uh, I, I reached out to a number of folks I've, I've worked with in the past. Uh, we've developed a working group. I've got seven different organizations within the community. Uh, involved, in, in, you know, starting with the Pillsbury Neighborhood Association, but also we've reached out to the Sierra Club and the NAACP and Faith Coalition, uh, SIU School of Medicine, and the Inner City Older Neighborhoods. Uh, so uh, we're, we're, we're we've got a broad-based approach that we're working with uh, to decide as a community, you know, what's the best way forward here, and how can we move it forward. At a pace that's acceptable and that 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 makes the whole situation better for the long term. There's a professional connection for you, but there's also a personal connection for you here. Yes, that that's right. My uh, my father worked at the plant uh, from 1970 to 1991. Uh, generally, basically throughout my entire childhood, put my brother and I through college. We're first generation college educated family. Uh, so, you know, I've got great memories of, of Pillsbury. You know, my father 
bring home cakes and brownies from the the test bakery oh, yeah. with with regularity. My my dad worked there too, and we had the same experience growing up. Yeah. And and what was really again notable about it was is that uh, you know so many of the people that worked there lived in that neighborhood around there, and it was really a focal point. There used to be this grand old restaurant there at the base of Pillsbury called the Mill, uh, going way way back. Yes, uh, but it was it was a, a central point for for really the whole north end of Springfield. It it really was, and you know. Pillsbury at its apex, just post-World War II, about 1950, they had completed an expansion where they 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 had 3 million bushels of capacity and employed 1,500 workers at that time. So this was really a, a regional force uh, throughout not just the community, but the, the entire region with 1,500 employees. Uh, so to the present day now, and, and let's get into the meeting tomorrow night. You have called a gathering for tomorrow evening at Lanfear School. As you mentioned, there's a lot of groups and, and the residents in the area there, their neighborhood association involved in this as well. What's the purpose of the meeting tomorrow night? Right. The, the purpose of the meeting is to communicate with the community, uh, first to let the community know when we canvassed a half mile radius all the way around the community, uh, put out something uh, close to 800 flyers uh, at, at all of the homes in the area. Um, and what we want to do is communicate with the community what, what we've done to this point. Let them know that we've opened lines of communication with with both Alderman Turner and Alderman Gregory, who who represent that neighborhood and that piece of property. Uh, and I will say they've been quite receptive. Uh, we've done a lot of listening, uh, a lot of listening to folks that have various ideas, different ways they think they can move forward. Uh, we've uh, we brought in a civil engineer and a brownfield specialist to consult with. Uh, these are the folks that, that deal with these kinds of sites all throughout the Midwest uh, and have good creative solutions for how to move forward. Who's footing the bill for that, for things like a civil engineer and a brownfield specialist? Right, right now, that's it's 100% volunteer effort. Uh, the civil engineer and brownfield specialists have donated their time to this point. Uh, so we've been very fortunate. That's going to be the, the big question going forward. I mean, uh, if, if money's no object, there's a million different ways you can approach this. But money's going to be an object. Yes. Where does that money come from? How how do you tackle really any meaningful idea there financially? Right. right. Well, we've we've had a number of, of creative ideas and solutions out there. Uh, matter of fact, a segment of the working group has um, developed a list of private foundational money uh, to reach out to and put requests in. Uh, matter of fact, we've, we've reached out to Pillsbury uh, at this point, and, and they have a mechanism for us to provide a proposal for them uh, to do some funding. Now, now Pillsbury's a couple of owners ago. They sold the plant to Cargill back in the uh, the nineties, uh, and then Cargill, of course, ultimately sold the, the the husk of it to these local scrap dealers that were apparently, you know, not really qualified to do anything with it. Is there a legal liability for a company like Pillsbury here, or is it just something that you're hoping they'll do out of the goodness of their corporate hearts? Right. There, there's no legal liability uh, from Pillsbury or from Cargill. Uh, that was established uh, by the Illinois EPA uh, a couple of years ago during the, uh, the investigation that they did. Um, that's right. Pillsbury sold the plant to Cargill in 1991. Cargill owned it and operated it for another 10 productive years and shuttered the plant in 2001. Uh, 
four years into that, uh, the community actually held what was called a charrette at that time, where we had a, a kind of a community brainstorming session on what can we do with the old plant and how can we maybe reuse it and make it productive again. Um, eventually, that sort of fell away and, and didn't get very far. And so in 2008, you know, Cargill did essentially unload it uh, for scrap. And then eventually it, it unwound into, into the, the tough situation we have now. Your communications with me uh, ahead of getting together here on the air makes reference to a five-year plan that's being developed uh, to to reach the ultimate goal of finally bringing this old plant down, eliminating the hazards, and maybe doing something productive with this property at some point. Uh, I know you're going to talk about this more at the meeting tomorrow night, but can you give me some sense as to what that five-year plan entails, and, and uh, you know how do you, how do you get from point A to point B to sure. the eventual objective? Sure, it's 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 connecting the dots. One one thing we we've done is uh, you know we've determined that quite likely the best route forward is to convince our city leaders. That, that they're going to have to take possession of the property at some point, you know, legal ownership. But once they do that, that allows uh, for the city to uh, apply for both state and federal grant funding uh, and, and get involved in a, in a three-, four-, five-year grant cycle uh, that quite likely can result in the, in the plant being brought down into a pile of rubble with that pile of rubble uh, being utilized in the future for things like road fill projects. It's not uncommon for uh, pulverized concrete to be used for roadbeds, road fill, uh, that sort of thing moving forward. It would be extremely expensive uh, to, to ship all that off to a landfill somewhere. And that's, that's, that's not the likely or preferred thing that we want to see happen. Um, like you, with my own history here, I have a, an affinity for the plant or for what it used to be anyway. So I'm a little bit torn there, but I'm also a taxpayer in the city of Springfield. And why, as a taxpayer, right. would I want my city government to say, okay, we're going to take on the responsibility for this. We're going to acquire this land with this enormous hazardous eyesore on it. Hope we can get some grant money. But who knows, from a, from a taxpayer standpoint, outside the immediate area, why would anybody want to encourage their alderman or their mayor to do that? Yeah, right Right now, I think most of us have recognized, especially since the, the dog situation, that this is a community liability, uh, and, and it's a, an insurance liability uh, from the city's perspective right now. Uh, it's, it's an unsafe uh, location. Uh, that hasn't been paying taxes uh, for over six years. Eventually, local government's going to inherit it in a legal sense. Uh, the, the difficult thing right now is we we actually we we realistically already own it in a in a in a broader sense. Uh, so so the best thing for us to do at this point is to decide on a proactive plan, get a plan in place. And move it forward that way. You've talked about demolishing it, and it's it's both steel and concrete. There, uh, can does the steel get right. hauled away? What happens with that, or can it be recycled? Or it, absolutely, there's a an, a large volume of the plant 
would be recycled. There, 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 there are tons and tons and tons of different kinds of metal products in there. Lots of stainless steel from the old milling operation up in up, up in the buildings. Uh, lots of steel uh, members. So recycling there, recycling the the concrete. Uh, so uh, the largest portion of, of all the structure would would be recycled into other purposes. So what we're looking at is bringing down old infrastructure in our community, and and using that material to build new in infrastructure in other areas in our community. You mentioned uh, that the a brownfield person has come in. Once the usable material has been reutilized in some other way, whether it's concrete eventually getting used as as road fill or whatever it might be. Is this property ever going to be able to be developed into something else, whether it's residential, commercial? There's still a rail yard right there. Is that going to continue to be in use after we go through rail consolidation? What what's the the future utility of the property itself? Right, right. And and again, part of our working group, we put a segment in that working group looking at future reuse options. Uh, right now there seem to be three or four primary options. As you mentioned, it's next to an active rail yard. That rail yard will remain active uh, moving forward, even with the consolidation project. Um, It's unlikely that the neighborhood wants the rail yard to expand uh, closer to their neighborhood. I I talked to the association about that. That's the thing they would least like to see, even if it were a, a clean site for redevelopment of that 18 acres. One of the leading contenders right now uh, is a potential for a solar farm. Uh, another thing we hear a lot and has been documented by our, our partners and our friends at SIU Medical School who are doing the health and population science study in the area is that, that the area really needs a health clinic. So there's potential for the, the front administrative building that still exists on the site to be perhaps repurposed for a health clinic. And then uh, low-income housing uh, has some potential on that site as well. We have to keep in mind that this was not uh, like the the factory site that we had in Park South, the old Fiat Alice factory, where we had a lot of soil contamination. This is a mill site, a food-grade mill site, without uh, a great deal of soil contamination to be anticipated. Um, so there are a lot of uses possible here. Low-rise housing, sure. a whole mix of things, green space, uh, or a mix of of all those things, but but you mentioned you know at one time the asbestos has that all been now remediated or is there still a potential asbestos risk when when things do eventually come down one way or another? Right, right. There, there about ninety nine percent of the bulk asbestos was removed, so it hasn't been completely abated, but the bulk of it has been removed. Uh, what needs to happen is we need to go in and do an environmental what they call an environmental phase one and a phase two assessment. Uh, again, with the engineers and the specialists uh, to show us, you know, where the hazards that still exist are and how how we're going to have to deal with those. Um, but but it's all very doable, you know. Again, in consulting with the the civil engineers and the brownfield specialists, these are things that get wrestled with in communities all across the Midwest. And, and in the meantime, uh, given 
that issue, given, uh, again, the possibility of uh, squatters coming on the property, as we've noted, animals with the the tragic story of the dog. Uh, There has been uh, fires there in the past, maybe by people who were on the property when they shouldn't have been, et cetera. Uh, Is the real hazard here just for people who are on the property when they shouldn't be, or does that plant's existence right now pose a danger to people in the neighborhood just just environmentally? It, it is uh, it is an environmental hazard. Um, you know, it, it it's one of these things that's that's it's hard to get a measurement on. But you know, as I walked through the neighborhood this weekend, uh, putting out flyers to advertise our public meeting, you know, you talk to the neighbors and they go, you know, every one of them wants to see it come down. Uh, they know it's it's sort of a drag on their everyday existence. Uh, you know, to look at at this old rusting factory. Uh, with uh, no good use in our community. Uh, so we have no doubt that, that once it's down uh, and leveled, uh, that gives the entire neighborhood an opportunity to move forward. Until then, uh, we know it's it, it's got very little chance of getting better over there. The meeting again is Wednesday evening. Give me the exact details when and where. Yes, Wednesday evening, starting at 5.30, going until 7 o'clock at Landfair High School in the Commons area. Use the north entrance. We're providing hot dogs and chili for community members that want to come by and and see what we've done to this point and and provide input on what what they might like to see done and how they might uh, want to get involved in moving Pillsbury forward. That is the name of the group, Moving Pillsbury Forward, Pillsbury Neighborhood Association, number of other groups, Chris Richmond working with Alder Persons Doris Turner and uh, and Sean Raymond about this as well uh, to try, excuse me, Sean Gregory, pardon me, uh, to uh, to uh, get this project rolling. And uh, Chris, thank you so much for your time. We really do appreciate it. Uh, and keep us posted on this as things uh, develop. There's a lot of interest here, obviously. Certainly will. It's thank been a pleasure to join you.